gonna figure this out. You know Ooh. what I mean? Yeah. Or just like I'm sad. You know what yeah. I mean? Oh, yeah. Why are you asking me? I'm right. sad. Yeah. I yeah. need a hug. Yeah. Like I don't yeah. want to talk yes. about like fucking exactly. Work. Like yes. I have I have one friend who literally texts me like, "How is your heart?" And I was Ooh. like, "Oh, then that hit you all." Introductions is one, of course, your name, two, um, your preferred pronouns, three, your, um, I guess, I guess we can let. How would you call yourself when it comes to like your proximity to dance? Because I will call myself like a dance artist mm-hmm. versus dancer, choreographer, things like that. Mm-hmm. I think dance artist is more inclusive for me. And then also, um, I have this question that's always going to change today. My favorite, my question is, what is your favorite kind of chocolate? And I don't like chocolate; it's not an option. Because we don't, we don't, we don't deal with that. You have to like chocolate. I don't understand people who don't like chocolate. People who don't like sugar, don't trust them. Mm, Yeah, there's something wrong. There's something wrong with them people. It's a little bit like you, you don't like God's gift to Earth. I feel the same. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. I feel like like someone would take sugar away from my life. Uh huh. Probably be done. Yeah. Oh right. That's the end. Yeah. That's the end. That's the end. How dare you? Cool, so my name is Jay Bowie. Um, I think it's really important that you have the Bowie in there. There's a lot of Jays out here running around, um, mm-hmm. especially in dance. I am a dance artist. I am, my pronouns are he, him, his, even though I'm kind of trying to dismantle what gender is for myself. Mm-hmm. So those things might change. Even though I also respond very much, I respond directly to she and hers and they and thems and um, anything that gives me um, personhood. As long as you don't call me an it, I'm good. Um, and my favorite chocolate right now is dark chocolate. Um, I, it's grown, and I feel grown. <laughs> you know, dark, it, it's also like chocolate turtles. Uh, you know chocolate turtles, right? Of Choc- course. I like I'm liking the finer chocolates, the more expensive chocolates, the chocolates that are that you cannot find in Dwayne Reed. I like the chocolates mm. that um require you to freeze them mm. in between sessions. I I wow. like the chocolates that like you have to only have a few bites because you know that like you it's not it's not for indulgence, it's for like a special moment. Wow. So for that dark chocolate tends to be the main ones that run around. So if I could find like a nice bar of like Ninety percent cacao. Uh, that would make you really happy. Wow! Wow! <laughs> I thought a lot about this question. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, you find out the essay, and it's yeah. like the senior thesis over here. <laughs> <laughs> Ita, you want to go? Sure. I'm uh, Ita Segev. I go by they, them, or she, her are both great. Um, favorite chocolate is. Re- I think it really is like mood dependent, mm-hmm. like. It depends, like, how desperately I need the sugar. Yeah. And the more desperately I need the sugar, the sweeter the chocolate should be. Mm. So I can also, like, rock with a sort of dark chocolate with, like, a bit of ginger or caramel mm. or sea salt. Mm. But then, like, when when girl is sad, I go, like, straight <laughs> to the, like, white chocolate, 100% sugar. Mm, I see, I see, I see. Yeah. To, like, to stabilize the mood. Yeah. Mm. Or, like, a tw- you know, like a Twix or a Snickers sometimes <sighs> gets me what I need. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. 
you said um, ginger and chocolate, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> like, I, I already know the two tastes distinctively, and I know they're going to go good together. I'm just asking why I haven't had it yet. Oh, really? You haven't? I haven't had ginger and chocolate oh, yet. Oh, I'll, I'll get you. Thank you yeah. so much. Real friends. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, and then what was your relation to... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I make live performances. Mm-hmm. I guess, like, when I apply to grants, they call them interdisciplinary, even though okay. I really don't like that word. Yeah. Mm. Um, I guess I, I, I feel it's like a practice of embodiment, but mm. I use, like, text, narrative, mm-hmm. character. It's sort of depending what the question is also leads what the form is, I guess. Yeah. Cool. I think that's really important. I, I, based on my definition of dance, I consider you a dancer. So that That's means, nice. yes, right? Mm-hmm. Because I think, I, in essence, dance is anything that involves movement. And I feel like if you exist on this world and living, you are dancing at some point. Right. Especially if you want it to be seen. Mm-hmm. Like, you want your movement to be seen in some right. way. I consider it dance. Um, That's interesting. I have, like, well, we can go. Yeah. That, that like, dancers or mm-hmm. that word has already such a, like, yeah. way to it in my mind. And I always feel like I don't want to steal anyone's, mm-hmm. like, you know, mm-hmm. ears on the bar. Oh, or right. Something. Uh, yeah. And that, you know what's interesting? I'm like, if you suffered all your childhood <laughs> to call yourself a dancer, go ahead. If, I, uh, if you went through the childhood trauma that is exactly. ballet, you know, um, I think I did that because I wanted to make more, um, I wanted to create a space for myself in dance because I didn't feel like I had that. And we can talk more about mm-hmm. um, that, Cameron, because you mentioned that as well. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't have that intense training. Mm-hmm. I came uh-huh. in at a different age and a different perspective of it. And the definition didn't fit me. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to loosen the reins of the definition so I can fit yeah, into it. <laughs> yeah. Bless you. <laughs> Cam? Uh, I'm Cameron McKinney, and I am a choreographer dancer, which is a new way of describing myself. Because yeah. um, most, I feel like most people say dancer choreographer. Mm. But I know already that, I, like I was saying to uh, Ita a little bit earlier, like I already know that performance isn't quite my thing. And I'm more interested in the... Uh, in the organization of people, in the creating of an aesthetic or of an environment, uh, I don't necessarily feel like I need to show my limited abilities uh, mm-hmm. out here on the stage. Um, uh, pronouns are him, his, uh, and a favorite chocolate. Mm. Uh, I would say, <laughs> that's a lot, I would say milk chocolate was the favorite. Uh, and then as I say that, I think, of the Hershey's Cookies and Cream Barn, which I think got me through mm. uh-huh. all of middle school, maybe. Mm. I think that was about mm-hmm. like that, and then those like <laughs> those like thirty cent cookies they used to had serve at lunch were probably what I survived on. Yeah, quite literally. I think I had a vegetable for two years straight. I think it was just <laughs> <laughs> cookies and cream and, and cookies. Oh, for God! Yeah, that's yeah. real. Yeah. I think sometimes, like, my deepest sort of gender identity is, like, lying naked in bed with, like, open wraps on chocolate mm. and just yes. That's, uh-huh. like, my... Can't, wait, like, can you say... What was the introduction? You said your deepest gender identity. What was it? Please, because I need... I just need you to re-say that. That was so <laughs> clear. One more time. I was saying, like, you know, the place where I'm sort of... Mo- I'm, like, this is probably me. Yeah. Is, like, me in bed, yes. naked, yes. with, like, a bowl of something sweet. Yes. Just, like, like... Mm. Yes. I feel very at home in that position. <laughs> yes. I'm glad you said that because, like, this, <clears throat> I feel similar in the sense of, like, my, I think my 
my deepest connection to like manhood is a towel wrapped around my head. I don't have any hair, so it's unnecessary for me to ever wrap a towel around my head. Um, in my Pokemon robe, because I have like this bath robe that has like the red on top, white on the bottom, it's like Pokemon ball on the back. Wow. Um, sitting on the couch and like getting work done, which mm-hmm. is me surfing the web. But if you see the back of mm-hmm. my, my MacBook, you're like, oh, he's doing something. Uh-huh. That for me is like, that's me. That's it right there. If yeah. I could exist in that the whole time, great. Yeah. yeah. Hairy legs. Um, <laughs> But they're, Pokemon, yeah, but they're crossed. Like, it's just something about, I remember seeing, um, did you ever see Holiday Heart? No. <gasps> okay, I, I looked at you because it's like such a black movie. Um, <laughs> it was back, <laughs> it had Alfred Woodard in it. Anyways, Al, um, Holiday Heart is about this man who was a boxer, uh-huh. um, and he's gay, and he's in his, like, later years, and he's, like, taking care of this woman who's a crack addict and her child, and, like, mm-hmm. the, that relationship that grows and is tumultuous and all those other things. But, like, there are a few scenes where he comes out in, like, his super broad self in, like, a silk robe. And I'm like, that is, that is living. <laughs> you know what I mean? That is living in your truth. That is being comfortable. That is, that is everything. And then, like, he gets his hair pressed and, like, uh-huh. done up. And it's amazing because then the, it, it, I don't know if this movie was that forward because it came out in, like, the early 90s. Uh-huh. But at the same time, I saw so much in it when I was a younger child. I was like... There needs to be more men like this in the world, like, mm-hmm. and I know there are, but I mean, we need to just see them yeah, more. Right. Anyways, that was just a whole other conversation <laughs> that I wanted to jump into. Um, so let's. What did, I, what did I want to do today? Something about um, dance and. I just like coughed earlier. It was okay. Yeah. Um, let's let's get the work out of the way um, and talk about that main question of like, what was your training like? Um, what did what did your training prepare you for or not prepare you for? And how has that um, professional world, your experience in it, and professional with the quote-unquote, because mm-hmm. I don't really know what that means, uh, <laughs> what the professional world has um, taught you? We're like, you know, this is where theory meets practice, and mm-hmm. what out of that friction, what came about? That's the best way I can answer that question. I started dancing in college, <clears throat> and the college I went to was a very small liberal arts. I went to middle grade college, so mm-hmm. a very small liberal arts college in the middle of nowhere, uh, and they have a very very small dance program. Like my year, there were four dance majors, two of whom had started dancing at college. Oh, at the college, right? So very yeah. very small dance program, um, and even in the midst of that small program, mm-hmm. we were still able to somehow. Uh, get a semester of gram training and uh, we had some basic uh, modern, basic and modern, not contemporary, um, there moving up. But uh, for someone <clears throat> for someone who started late in the game, as I did, uh, it was very difficult yeah. <laughs> in a lot of ways. But because, but both because the department was so small and also because I was fortunate enough to have teachers and uh, or professors and other people who believed that everyone can dance. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, one of the professors we put on a show in Middlebury literally called "Everyone Can Dance." Yeah, and it would invite people from yeah. the town to just you know do the thing. Yeah. Um, but because of that, I was afforded opportunities to be in the dance company of Middlebury and to do all these other things um, that would that would eventually contribute to my want to be a professional dancer. Mm-hmm. Um, at least in that program. At that time, uh, it was very. It was a it was a very interesting mix yeah. of the professors wanting us to 
be trained in these more codified styles so that mm-hmm. we would know what mm-hmm. they were. But because they know that most of the people in the program were coming from a non-dance background, they were also very adamant about don't don't feel pressure about the techniques, but instead mm-hmm. find your own voice. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> which I which I very much appreciate now because that's the only thing that's been keeping me going has been the knowledge that that whatever my own voice is is as valid as someone's voice who is trained in whatever mm-hmm. you know such and such technique. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> that being said, <laughs> that being said, uh, we had one ballet class a oh. week, and that ballet class was often student taught. Oh. And if you were in the dance company of Middlebury, you couldn't take that class. So, <laughs> so I have now been dancing for seven, almost eight years, mm-hmm. and I have taken three ballet classes my entire <laughs> career. Come on, <laughs> I'm giving you snaps. Yes, <laughs> I've taken three full ballet classes my entire career. Um, and most of my ballet I learned from being in pieces by people who had known ballet and they would be like do this and I'd be like so what does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I need you to do Yeah, can um, you they're like can you do like a season into like a back attitude and then a backflip or something? I'd be like, Okay, I got the backflip part. Yeah. But what was the what was it like <laughs> like yeah. what was that Italian word you say? What, what these, is what language is that? Yeah, what is this French Italian word you're throwing at me right now? <laughs> um, but yeah, um, but at the same time uh, so so when I got to New York and thinking about what was challenging for me from that kind of background and coming into a professional world, um, when I got to New York, when I first got here, it was actually really tough because, at least in my experience, uh, people want you to have the foundation of that ballet, mm-hmm. but then also be able to break away from it and be fluid and have you know some street dance flair and also a little bit of this, but yeah. ballet for the most part, is the common language, yeah. in mm-hmm. a way. Um, and, and at least to some people, it's it's the foundation of what we do. Now, that's yeah. a question we can fight against also. Mm-hmm. Um, but at least coming here, it felt very much like I would, I would be perpetually behind mm-hmm. uh, because I would audition for a lot of people and I would get really great feedback, like, you're a great mover. And mm-hmm. I'm like, so, but you won't hire me, though? Like, but mm-hmm. it was because I didn't have that... that ballet technique that was their common language. Yeah. Um, that was when I first moved here. Mm-hmm. And then since then, I have I have been developing my own movement language uh, that is more in tune with what I'm interested in. And I have found that in development of that, similar to in college when I was working through finding my own voice versus trying to um, force myself into a codified language, that the working through of my own voice has actually propelled me a lot further than than trying to adhere to whatever is the foundation or the common language or the, yeah. or the norm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that has been my, my biggest thing, mm-hmm. you know, so far. Um, but, I, yeah, I think... I'm going to stop talking for a second. But I, no, think, uh, but I think that uh, what Middlebury is, at least at that point, it's changed a lot right now. But when I was there, what it was really, really strong about and what I'm really most grateful for mm-hmm. is, the, is the fact that people said, don't, wor- don't worry about about that over there and yeah. just do you. Yeah. And like as long as you keep doing you, you're gonna it's gonna work out or not gonna work out, but it's gonna be different and it's gonna be worth yeah. hearing. Yeah. Um versus you trying to fit into someone else's mm-hmm. mold, you know? Yeah. And you know, that's what's really kept me afloat in the New York scene as people have been like, you don't have enough ballet and I'm like, I don't need your ballet. Boom, yeah. right? <laughs> so nice. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But, 
That was I'm, my initial thoughts. No, good. First essay. <laughs> <laughs> initial essay, initial thesis statement, uh, introductory <laughs> to my life. Um, I'm really glad that you noted the, um, like this, this, this weird thing where you go to auditions and you get these compliments that seem like you like me and you like what I have yeah. to offer, but you're like, mm, but it's not what we want here. So. I don't know. The like the perspective of like the dancer going in looking for a job and the person who's doing the hiring, the artistic directors, the rehearsal directors, whoever else is sitting behind that table, um, is so confusing. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's. I think it's almost will work almost will work better if you're just like you're just not technically strong enough to dance in this company. Like that makes sense. Like oh okay yeah. cool, so I can go work on that exactly. if I want to come back and do exactly. this again. Yeah. But to get a compliment that makes it seem like so I'm doing the right thing but not the right thing. At all, like yeah. <laughs> it's so weird. Um, I mean, I had I did one audition, and this choreographer wrote to me after and said, "You're really great, but you don't. But I think you need to take more ballet and then come back." And I was like, <laughs> "Right." I mean, it's it's rude um, because ballet is not the foundation of dance, and mm. it's not like it's not going to prepare you for all dance, which mm-hmm. is the weird thing that they tell a lot of children in competition studios. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's. I think it's, it still gives you the information. It mm-hmm. gives you like, okay, so this person wants this that I don't want to explore mm-hmm. in, so mm-hmm. I just won't invest my time. Yeah, And that's so, that's so much better. Yeah, But I actually think about, I'm interested in, in how you, because you work with other people, right? Mm-hmm. You, you guide, with, guide other movers or other artists in your performance art? Or? It, it sort of depends on the mm-hmm. project. Currently I'm sort of mm-hmm. the, doing like a, work where I'm like the only body on mm. stage but mm. I'm working with like designers and a director and stuff mm-hmm. um, so but I mean as a perf- yeah as a performer more I've worked with people like on a variety of disciplines mm-hmm. but my work was mainly with one other collaborator who comes more from like visual performance mm-hmm. art mm-hmm. and then doing stuff mm-hmm. by myself mm-hmm. yeah yeah I mean, I was I was curious because you were, you were talking about getting into this audition a little bit, and and you were talking about things you looked for in audition. Mm-hmm. And for me, I mean, of course, I'm looking for people to be a great mover. Uh-huh. But mo- but I mean, I chose all of my all of my company members based on personality, mm-hmm. you know, uh-huh. more so than movement, mm-hmm. because I already know they're not going to move like me, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And of course, that depends on what you're investigating. Like I, for myself, am, am making some, uh, mm-hmm. trying to create a codified language. Um, and so there's no point in, in having people who move like me already because I can't tell if they're learn, learning anything. <laughs> oh, right, right. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. You know? Um, but yeah, so, but that's what I was, I just had that thought and I was like, I wonder how you would choose people to, to work with because you draw from so many different, different places. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I, I guess I don't really know. It's like, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's so hard to completely articulate what like compels you about like a performer and I think there's like so many different sort of elements that you can bring into a performance Mm -hmm. you can like choose like sometimes having a a technically virtuosic person is like exactly what you need but sometimes you need someone who has like more of their sort of like raw presence Mm -hmm. that isn't tamed by discipline Mm -hmm. or Mm. tamed by discipline that that's was a, a word. Phrase. That's that, a good phrase. Yeah, that's it is. Different. That's yeah. a word. Yeah. Tamed by discipline. Yeah, that's Ooh. really good. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think I... I th- there's a... There's a sh- she's actually a writer, but there's a writer, um, Sarah Schulman, mm-hmm. 
and she she writes in one of the introductions to her book that she thinks that one of the things that makes her the strongest writer is that she's literally like undisciplined. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm also like a fan of. I mean, I think part of what I'm looking for always in live performance mm-hmm. is this is this sort of raw feeling that often doesn't come from like mm-hmm. discipline can allow you to get there. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Um, what was your um, like training like? And I'm using a lot of quotations around the words mm-hmm. like yeah. training and professional and things like that because we can we can really loosen up the reins about what is yeah. included in these. I mean. Yeah, I'll probably loosen the reins. Yes, yeah, exactly. yeah, please do, please do. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, I'm thinking, I think like my first introduction to like dance was as mm-hmm. a kid at, who was like sort of not really allowed to dance because mm. like society, I grew up in Jerusalem and mm. society sort of viewed me as like a boy. And so mm. I wasn't really allowed to dance, but my big sister danced a yeah. lot. And I did that queer thing where like I would memorize all of my big sister's steps yes. and I would like tell her what happens next so <laughs> it would be like her dancing in the living room and me sitting and being like pas de bouée pas de bouée and turn and down and kickballing you know yeah, so yeah. like I sort of like had this like big like desire for a thing that I couldn't really do yeah. which I think is significant hmm. and then I think like part two is probably again more around like being probed as sort of being like a soldier and being a certain kind mm. of man and all those kind of things. Mm-hmm. And the, my main outlet, because I was like so disconnected from myself, was actually writing. Okay. That was sort of my way in. Yeah. And I wrote my entire life and was actually like a writer in the army. I was like a military journalist. Mm. And that really sucked because, for many reasons, yeah. but because like I sort of like used the thing that I really valued to tell lies um Um, and then developed this really tricky um sort of relationship to words in which i'm like fuck words can really be used to like tell the truth and also to camouflage the truth and i guess i was doing a lot of like theater and acting growing up so that's also an important part but that was sort of the moment where i was like thinking that i'll move to new york and study acting and i think the impetus was like to put the words inside a body mm. and the body to be some sort of like lachmus test, is that how you say it in English? Like litmus test? Litmus yeah, test. Yeah, yeah. Like the body to be like this sort of a truth teller. In a sense. In a sense. Even though now I have a really you yeah, know, I'm not afraid <laughs> of like truth and authenticity, right. but mm. in uh, mm. in some capacity. Yeah. And then I like studied acting and did that training, which is like a whole other beast. Yeah. Because they really train people to sort of be like famous, you know, and there's money there, which yeah. is a different relationship. Like, yeah. unfortunately, one of the things that like early on attracted me to sort of the downtown dance scene mm-hmm. was the fact that because there's not a lot of money, people yeah. are just doing whatever the fuck yeah. they want. Right. And now I'm like, fuck. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm like, broke. <laughs> uh, but then, like, while I was studying acting, I got sort of my first introduction into, like, somatic practices. Mm. So I had this one teacher who was, like, teaching Alexander Technique. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to Judith. And that really, <laughs> yeah. like, blew my mind. Yeah. I think that was, like, the first time that I understood that, like, through an access to your body, you can access so many realms. Yeah. Um, and Ooh. that was really deep. And that made me want to explore more, like, embodied practices. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I did when I finished school was, like, find 
sort of the weirdness of like movement research and all those places. Yeah. Are you gonna say that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, disclaimer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? It's all good. Okay. Yeah, no, no. I mean, yeah, I like spend like a year rolling on the floor aimlessly. As you should. As I should, mm-hmm. and like making strange sounds, and that was yes. great. But I was also like escaping my politics and my context, I think, in many ways. Mm-hmm. And then when that started resurfacing, I also looked around and I was like, oh, this is weird. Everybody here is white, and also like the whole romantic sort of avant-garde or experimental thing Mm -hmm. in which, like, you pretend like you're making things that exist outside of capitalism, but actually everyone in the room comes from money, which is what allows them to take so much fucking time to exist outside of Mm -hmm. capitalism, Mm quote-unquote. I kind of got sick of it, but still had that years of sort of practice through my body, Mm -hmm. and then slowly have become more confident... Like, first also did a lot of auditions, didn't really get a bunch of them, didn't really understand where I was. For movement or for theater? Both. So I would, like, audition for, like, you know, I auditioned once for, like, Faye Driscoll, and, like, I I was interesting, but I wasn't a strong enough mover. And then I would audition for, like, a play, and I was, like, interesting, but I was not enough of an actor. Mm -hmm. And then I was, like, okay, I need to create my own space for whatever the fuck this is. And sort of slowly... Which I guess is the one thing I wish my training taught me um, was like less concerned about how to call the thing and more like whatever all the people in the room know how to throw into the room. Yeah. Like I think about it more like a stew and I'm like if there's mm. an ingredient that works then like throw it into the room. Mm. Yeah. So that's why you have a, a problem with the word interdisciplinary? Or, or uh, not maybe not a problem, but just like an irk or I guess I guess so. I mean I really I really value in some ways the fact that there's like really rich disciplines that develop. Mm-hmm. But in the end of the day I'm like because I guess I I have friends now from all these worlds, so I often go to the theater and to dance and to like to all of these disciplines. Mm-hmm. And in the end of the day it's like all these people coming to watch other people. And that sort of feels to me like the premise of live performance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, so in, in some capacity, below, I guess, 14th Street, I view it all as performance. Uh, <laughs> okay. Okay. Not to, like, impose my own thing on everyone else. Yeah. Right, no, yeah. So interdisciplinary just makes it sound more heady and fancy than just, like, we're we here. do, we're yeah. here, people are watching, this is what we are doing this time. Yeah. Uh. It's really interesting that you brought that up because in college, my dance university was probably at Arizona State University's dance department. Tried to be like no other dance department. It mm-hmm. did not. It did not. At least from my classes and the way the um, curriculum changed, it did not preface having anybody be a performer, choreographer, teacher, or um, or like the other, which would include like you know community engaged artists and and working in like politics and dance they had no preface you could literally move and float and kind of meander around all of these different things the classes were there for -hmm. you to take and there were some requirements like very loose requirements of the classes we had to take but um to 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 churn out professional dancers and choreographers never wasn't its aim Mm -hmm. so in that um in that space, there were a lot of people who would be considered like performance artists or interdisciplinary artists in our dance major. 
Um, I remember being very frustrated with mm-hmm. that because I was like, I'm coming in here to learn codified steps. <laughs> I'm coming in here to increase my ballet technique, this modern thing, contemporary dance. I, I like, I came to a dance uh-huh. thing and I had like this very strict and, and non-inclusive definition of dance that did not, um, that wasn't so hospitable for performance artists. Uh-huh. Um, and I think I was really, I think that came out of like jealousy because our dance department brought in um, guest artists and, and live performances and anything that was outside of a university was for this population of students mm-hmm. versus the larger population of students who were like, we have dance training, we want to c- increase our dance training, we want to be in some way an atypical professional dancer, choreographer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then since I moved to New York, I was I saw what my university was trying to create, which was like a place where below 14th Street mm-hmm. could, could exist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then when I saw like the source, I was like, oh my God, I have no, all of my reservations about performance art are gone. Like it's just done. Because it just, I saw so many different iterations of what could be considered like looking at the inclusion of text into into movement and how both of these things can be as strong together. And you mm-hmm. can have strong, delivered, performed and rehearsed and, and, and embodied text as, along with like, Trisha Brown technique <laughs> in terms of like movement, which um, which it wasn't showing up in university. So like seeing that there, I was like, oh, so there's just there's just a space. There's just a space where everything can exist. Um, mm-hmm. That's what I I've in also moving to New York and everyone's like, you need to find your community. Mm-hmm. As soon as I like did my first thing at Justin Church with research, I was like, I think this is it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think this is gonna be like I would just invest here. Um, my my training. Oh, that was a little bit about my training, but also um, I started dancing because I wanted to be a better stepper. I was on the step mm-hmm. team in high school, and I became the head captain the second uh, semester of my freshman year. So very soon I was, like, put into this leadership role, and I was like, I'm an Aries, so I do well in leadership roles. Mm-hmm. I just always, And I also have, like, this hard work ethic, this Capricorn part of my astrology sure. chart that's like, you just need to work <laughs> hard. doesn't matter if you're working hard in the right direction, you just need to sweat. Right. So, um... And, like, coming into my sophomore year, I was like, okay, I'm going to be a head captain to start off the new school year. As a head captain, it's going to be dope. I want to be better. How do I be better? And I noticed every head captain before me had um, taken dance classes at, at, at our high school and were also, like, professional dancers once they graduated. So I was like, so I have to dance. Like, mm-hmm. just got to get over it. I had studied music. I was on the marching band in high school. I played football. I played basketball, ran track, best male athlete. I did all these things with my body and all these other things artistically where, like, dance was really the last thing on the list. It was like, I would get up and sing, in which I'm not a great singer. I would get up and sing in front of millions of people before I would dance. Mm-hmm. So for that to be my, like, almost, like, I, in my head it feels kind of petty because it's just competitive. I just didn't want to be bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like petty reason to dance, like, completely changed my life. I did a chasse, and I'm so, anytime someone was like, oh, so when did you know you're a dancer? I did a chasse, and at the peak of the chasse, <laughs> I was like, oh, this is what I want to do <laughs> for the rest of my life. Um, but I started that when I was like 15, uh-huh. and I really didn't start taking it seriously until I was like 16, uh-huh. um, or maybe even 17, because that's when I noticed that you can go to school and get a degree in dance. And I was like, oh, so I need to take this seriously. So even when I came into college um, with all these people who studied at like this great ballet school here and this great mm-hmm. um, nationally recognized competition studio here, even we had a strong, I think at that time we were the only university that had like an urban dance department. My best friend from college, he was, like, an abstract b-boy and amazing at it. Like, so everybody had, like, a strength. And I came in, like, 
I have interests. <laughs> I, have, I have little strengths. I can um, I can just work really hard. That's what I can do. Yeah. Um, so I felt like I was playing a catch-up game, and I yeah. still feel like a little bit I'm playing mm-hmm. a bit of a catch-up game okay. when it comes to um, what it means to be a professional art artist, mm-hmm. dance artist specifically. And um, there's a bit of an insecurity sometimes when it comes to like being on stage as the mover, mm. like mm-hmm. at, in somebody else's work. Um, yeah. And well, in my own work, there's less because then you're like you make the rules, right. you know, and you, the only thing you need to do is be able to investigate it, interrogate, it, and back it up when somebody right. asks you a question. Yeah, and then when you do it, it is what it is. It is. You know. Yeah. But when you're, when, yeah, I feel that similarly when I'm working with other people and they. No, you're good. I feel similarly when I'm working with with other people and and who have taken things that I haven't, not just ballet, but Mm -hmm. other styles I haven't had, and then, you know, you do a move or something that's in reference to this other thing, but you know you don't have that kind of training, so it's like, this is a ballet reference, not exactly the ballet move. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) You know, but then then I, I feel that same kind of insecurity because I think people would see that and be like, he's really bad at Mm-hmm. He's really bad mm-hmm. at this, this, and this versus them being like, oh, maybe the choreographer told him to do that and he actually doesn't want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's so there's so you know? many things. Like, And I, I'm such a critical person. Um, I haven't learned how to go to a show. And, okay, only only spaces of people and, and, and artists who don't get even like 10% of like my heavy critique are people that I know personally. Like once I know you personally and I like, I, and I, I love everybody that I know personally because mm-hmm. I just it just happens that way. I can see the show and like enjoy it and love it and and have like you know if they ask me what did you think I have some things I can share but never am I like picking it apart with my fine tuned uh-huh. tools and things like that um, because I do that so heavily with my work it's just always at the ready and when I see certain like big entities like ABT or Ailey or like. Um, what other big de- like Bill T. Jones or anything dance company like when you see when not I not even big ones for me like even like middle tier people or, or middle tier yeah anybody who gets grant funding I'm like yes mm-hmm. yes <laughs> I'm looking and I'm asking things like okay that movement that looks so great on that dancer is it because this is just choreography from like way long ago that they had to learn or is it like they made it for this person and if they made it for this person like all these like uh. super things and it's and it's not and it's not in an effort to like bring the piece down like it's not an effort to like humble the piece in my head or humble the these artists and these entities in my head it's more like i know i want to be in these positions where i have to make these decisions i want to know more about why this decision was made in order to understand its effectiveness or not and that means i just have to go to the tv with my screwdriver and things and dismantle it and see how the thing works (laughs) and um but but when i watch um works by like by my friends and people i'm really close to and i love i i get to be the audience member for once uh-huh. That's a whole other instead of a critic. Instead of a critic. Uh, yeah. I have such like imposter syndrome every time mm-hmm. I in my own work. Yeah. I'm like fucking this time they're like gonna be on to like That's why I took myself out of my work too. That's exactly why. That I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> totally. Exactly. And then like people like kinda like it or keep giving me opportunities and I'm like, okay. Exactly. Like, them <laughs> that's exactly it. That's so uh, true. That feeling. That's what, I mean, I feel that a lot in my in my own work too. I mean, I like I was like I said briefly earlier, like I feel like I have to contextualize what's happening uh, for for them through my dancing. But I I I feel that when I'm performing, which is why I don't really like performing. It's like I, I get on stage and I feel like I'm supposed to be something I, somebody I'm not. Mm-hmm. You know, like I feel like I'm supposed to. I mean, I I of course describe my work in a certain way, but um and. Like, for example, I describe it as contemporary dance with, like, a street dance aesthetic. 
um, overlay it onto it because that's just my background. But then I, but then I get on stage and I and I suddenly feel like I'm supposed to be something. Like I'm supposed to be, right. you know, I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to have more of a like I'm supposed to have more street dance in this than contemporary. I'm supposed to mm-hmm. have you know, yeah. you know this you know this instead of this. And and I and I hate that. I hate that feeling that. You know, maybe just me. You know, but I just, I just, I, I always, almost always feel like an imposter in my own work, mm. and and not when I'm in other people's work, because I already know I'm an imposter. Mm. <laughs> oh, okay, you okay. know oh, what I mean? I see, you I know? see, because I, I already know that like, I'm not gonna move like the person, right? You know, yeah. so I, I'm, I, I, that's already out the window, and I'm like, you know what, what I do is what it is. Right. But whenever I get on, say from for my work, it's like I, I made this phrase. Yeah. And yet I feel, I, I feel like it's not. What it's supposed to be. Mm. I yeah. don't know. Maybe I mean just something I'm, that I'm going through, at least very much so recently. But I, I think, <laughs> I mean, I lived in imposter syndrome since I moved to New York. Like I, I've read about it. It's funny because like that's uh, where theory meets practice. I remember reading about imposter syndrome when it came to uh, women of color in the workplace. Uh-huh. Like mm-hmm. any kind of like getting a job, getting a promotion, getting a raise. It was almost like, oh my god, I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't have did this. They're gonna find me out. Uh-huh. Um, that was the context when I read about imposter syndrome. It hit me when um, I I got like a compliment in an area where I thought was like my weakest when mm-hmm. it comes to like creating work, or I think it was performing. And either way, I think that seed kind of just like grew this huge plant of just like they're gonna find me out at some point. It doesn't matter yeah. how great and how many things come around. The bigger the tree is, the harder the fall is what I was actually getting afraid of. Yeah. Um, oh, and. <laughs> <laughs> It's just all of that. Um, there was with um, with some of the more recent things that came that came about for me with like the fellowships and performance <laughs> opportunities came around. I think I felt that I think it was the first time I didn't feel imposter syndrome because I, in my head, the first thing was like I've been so tirelessly working, like I've been yeah. sweating and, and freaking out and applying for things at the very last thirty seconds to send it in. Um, you know what I mean? Busting my butt off like that that kind of like extreme work and the payoff that or the, the thing that kind of came for the first time like matched. Uh-huh. And for me, and I think and I think everyone ha- will have their own thing when it comes to like how to dispel the imposter syndrome. For me, I just need to have done the work before uh-huh. the thing comes. I think if the, if the thing comes and then I have to do work, it's just anxiety. Mm-hmm. If yeah. I've done like a mass work and then things, I'm like, yes, that is a return. Thank yeah. you. Um but it's but it's still I think, you know, I don't think it's completely uprooted yet because there's still moments, like you said, Amp Cameron, when you're standing in when you're performing in your work where it's like, Oh my god, they're gonna find me out, they're gonna <laughs> see all of my flaws and then yeah. one of my biggest thing biggest fears was performing into my own work and it be a solo. Like what? Like, yeah. So you just get to look at me uh, for but a you do often, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, d- I do it now, and I, and I actually think, like, that's a process. I actually think, Jay, I learned something really profound from you. Dear well. <laughs> oh my no, goodness. I don't know if we talked about it, okay. but I think, like, I, when I watched, because Jay and I were in uh, Artisan Residence and Shape Bush mm-hmm. together, yes. and Jay did this work that was, like, so good. The one with Wendell. Yeah. Yeah. You saw it? No, I didn't see it. It's I, like uh, it's like outrageous. Good. Oh my goodness! Um, <laughs> and one of the things like, that I learned and that was like crucial for me actually at that moment is that you were really trying to talk about something, mm-hmm. like you were trying to create a conversation, 
that you know obviously had to do with the form of dance but also yeah. like sort of transcend it was like about moving mm-hmm. something in like culture and mm-hmm. in the way humans relate yeah. to one another yeah. and you use these like you use super like you use phrases that we know as dance yes in order to that's how i felt yeah. that was in yeah. order to sort of soothe our brain mm-hmm. to be like oh i know what this thing is and then to trick us to talk about something we don't want to talk about mm-hmm. which was like anxiety and depression yeah. and, and it was so smart <laughs> it was like it felt to me a little bit like the song that you use like like that thing Solange did that year with her album. Oh, yeah. yeah. Of like, I'm going to soothe you and you're going to dance, but then but I'm going to touch my hair. Exactly. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And yeah. that for me was a big deal because mm. it was sort of in a moment where I also sort of unapologetically, my work became about things yeah. and about moving conversations to a certain place. Yeah. And then it made it less about myself in some way mm. and mm. more about like, what tactics do I need to use in order to like be able to talk about this thing that I really want to talk about yeah. that no one else wants to talk about mm-hmm. which like let's say in my case is like the intersection of like Palestinian solidarity and like yeah. trans identity yeah. Yeah. and that is like then I make the mistake go back into my head make it about me make it about mm. my performance mm. and then I sort of try my best I have performance coming up I hope I can do it to be like <laughs> just be a little braver than you are scared and mm-hmm. remember that you're like trying to do something that isn't about you getting applause because yeah. you're cool. You know, it's right. not about like you and that way of admiration. It's about mm. talking about something. Sure, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think um, for me, this this idea of the imposter syndrome definitely, you know, strike, strike, <laughs> strikes me all the time. <laughs> but, uh, but definitely hit, it definitely hit hard very recently because... Um, uh, I got so I was selected for the singer of the Ailey school, right? Mm-hmm. So they have a n- new director of choreography lab, and you said I work on the Ailey students, and yes. yeah, I mean, thanks. <laughs> but um, I was re- it was really hit hard by it because in the interview for that, mm-hmm. um, I met with the woman who runs the school and some of um, the past advisors for the program, and very recently before that interview, I had been calling my technique a certain the mm-hmm. technique that I'm building, movement language, a certain uh, word. I've been calling it contemporary loft technique, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which um, for house heads in the room, yes. um, you know, loft, loft is a style within house dancing, so it's already, already a codified yeah. style, right? Mm-hmm. So this is the preface history. So it's already a codified style, um, and, you know, and I'm a huge house music fan, house history fan, you know, um, and I know I wasn't there when David had the loft and then like all the other places. So, you know, I know the history and I teach the history. But for those who don't in the street dance community who don't know what I do, mm-hmm. it became a, a very big problem. Yeah. And I speaking of the word imposter, I was I was dragged online mm. by how well, people in the house community who I previously had respected. Mm. Right. By people who were considered legends. I was dragged online like, as an imposter. Mm. Um, before they saw what I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and that led to a whole bunch of other complications. But long story short, so directly before this interview, I had met with another um, um, choreographer, dancer, Efrat Ashery, who I think is one of the best people on, like, best, you know, legend icons on the planet. She's yeah. amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I took her class at this atten- as intensive, and he said, are you Cameron? 
And, she, and I'm like, yeah. She's like, are you Cameron who teaches at Gibney? This is apparently how I'm known in the street dance community. Okay. As I'm, I'm Cameron who teaches at Gibney, <laughs> that weird contemporary place below 14th Street. <laughs> right. Um, and uh, she's like, we need to have a talk. And so she t- so we had a talk after class, and she, you know, kind of went it got into me about this whole loft technique thing, uh-huh. um, in a, in the nicest way possible. Like I yeah. love her, I, I love her for it because she actually had a conversation yeah. about why she didn't just like drag me online. Mm-hmm. Like it was great, um, but I I say that because that carried over into my interview at the Ailey School, and they were like, so we heard you're doing this loft technique thing, and I got this sensation. And I got this message from them that was like, do you know the history? Like, are you an imposter? Like, why are you calling this what mm. you're calling it? Mm. You know? Um, and that, and so that continues today, even though I've now changed the name to something different. Um, it continues today. I think that's part of the reason why I kind of feel that when I'm performing, because mm. I'm drawing from all of these different, different things, but it somehow feels, at least for me, oftentimes, it feels like I am an imposter. Mm. Maybe because I haven't, you know, I haven't been dancing in any particular field, or maybe you can speak to this too, because you draw from so many different mm-hmm. different categories. But I feel like in my own dance experience, it's you know, I I have done so many things. Like I don't, I'm not a master in any style. You know what I mean? Like I did like voguing for like six months, and yeah. then I did gram for six months, and then I could you know contemporary. I guess I did modern, and yeah. I started as a street dancer, and then I went to swing dancing, and then like <laughs> right. I did like all this other stuff mm-hmm. that I never actually stayed in one thing. Mm. Um, and so now, whenever I, I call myself, I I mean I I to myself am a house dancer, mm-hmm. and I call mm-hmm. myself a house dancer, but then I also get I also feel that imposter syndrome. Whenever I go out, especially when I go outside of the contemporary world, mm-hmm. people are like, well, who are you? Like, who have you studied with? Like, mm-hmm. were you, like, you know, did you, were you at Paradise Garage? Were you at the warehouse? Like, no, I'm 25. Like, I wasn't alive. <laughs> <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Like, I wasn't, I wasn't alive to go to the loft, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, but I think I, I think that that's what comes up a lot for me because I, as soon as I, well, I'm getting, like, real deep right now, but yeah. as soon as I, I feel like I step on stage, it's like, you know, People are like, okay, well, there's Cam- Cameron, the street dancer who also does contemporary, mm. you know, and I feel like mm. that comes with a certain, yeah, you know, maybe just that, like, every time someone says they're a street dancer, you expect them to be amazing, or you expect them to be amazing in one particular thing, when in reality, mm. I mean, dancing itself, but especially mm. house dance is a freestyle thing, you yeah. know, I don't know, I can, I can get a whole bunch, I'm gonna stop talking, but, mm-hmm. I, but I, that's, that's kind of the root, at least for me, of that idea of imposter syndrome is like, I haven't been dancing for that long, mm. and yet I'm out here like teaching master classes, and like yeah. I have like awards and accolades for blending styles that already existed. Yeah, it's just you know style. Yes, you have something to say. You have, like, sty- <laughs> like styles. <laughs> that are I can't wait. I can't wait. No, hit me. Hit me. Hit me. Yeah, hit me. Yeah. No, no. It's just interesting because I think I think I mean you're saying a lot of things, but I think I'm sort of hearing that so much of these fears that we have come from this, like, model of, like, scarcity. Mm. That's because of, like, capitalism and other bullshit in which everything is about competition Mm. and the person, like, right, you're describing these situations of auditions or these situations in which people ask you about your work because you might get something that is competitive with other people and, and how so much of... I guess it's an American. I guess it's, it, it, I don't know. There's probably, we need to, I need to think about it a little more. Yeah. But just like so much of this pursuit of excellence mm-hmm. is about like needing to do it in order to achieve this thing that only a few people want, yeah. can get that a lot of people want. Mm-hmm. And that 
like what kind of questions that creates in the work because mm. like 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 there's these places that you hear about and who fucking knows that if it's real mm. and like you know Europe which is also a really fucked up place but in which they have yeah. a shit ton of like public funding yes. and in yeah. which people don't come to the room to like even necessarily like like the work yeah it's not about like you getting people to love your work so they buy tickets so they come to the next show so someone will commission you it's just about like art is important culture mm -hmm. is important yeah. expression is important yeah. the mere fact that you exist in this world is important yeah. Yeah. and if you are brave enough to take space to say something mm -hmm. i want to bear witness to that just because yeah. because you you know you went through so much just to be alive all yeah. of right. us did right yeah, yeah. No, that's and that's such a different model than like the, you know, than the anxiety that oh I also felt when I was doing dance auditions of like seeing people stretch or warm up and just seeing what everyone can do with their bodies that yeah. I can't do, mm. just being like I'm not bendy enough, my hamstrings are <laughs> too short, and I'm like, how did that become a measure to how yeah. profound an artist I am? Yeah. My ham fucking. I think hamstrings. it's. I mean, I think at least in dance, I think it also comes from this idea of uh, that we have a time limit. You know, and it's yeah. like, and it's like, oh man, I I have to like keep doing this, and I have to achieve this by yeah. this then because I only have this for ten years. Right. You know. Yeah. I mean, if you're a dancer, I can see how that. I mean, I don't feel that way because I'm like, I'm no gonna be sitting in the chair, you know, yelling at people already. I already know right. that's my future. But <laughs> like, but I think some of it comes from like, oh man, I've been here for three years, and then also the competition, like seeing your friends, you know, yeah. get into this company, like, oh man, I only have like seven years left before my body starts doing weird stuff, you know. Yeah. Like, yeah. That also is add another layer of, mm -hmm. like, stress and things. Yeah. I, you're right, because, like, I'm a person that, like, my world is, is shaped around what I see. Mm -hmm. In the sense of, like, if I haven't seen somebody do something, I don't believe it's possible yet. And not not that it's it's impossible for me to do it, but just, it's, I just haven't seen it done. I don't know what the steps are like. Mm -hmm. To see um, one of my, like, favorite movers on the planet, Jenna Regal, dance into her, I, I, I don't even want to give her age, but she started she, dancing. Yeah, she's going ham. Yeah, Always. and she's in her. She's in. She's in the the space and age that I assumed my career needs to have been finished by, mm -hmm. and also needs to have reached its peak by. Mm -hmm. So to see her still going strong, and you know the body is the body. It's just like you know I feel like this today. I probably twisted this, and my back is aching. But it it doesn't. It's not saying like okay, now I'm gonna give up, retire, and sit down and die. Like <laughs> you know, like all of that was like every every year that I see her move, I'm just like. That that adds another year on to what I could even conceive of my my professional dancing huh. career to even include. Sure. Um, as I mean, and that's that's not just in dance, but also there's so many just beautifully um, beautifully aging people. Like I look at Angela Bassett. I was gonna say the movies like. If you if you don't follow this podcast called Goldcast, do you follow this? Goldcast, Goldcast. Gold. I heard Facebook. Of no. If you don't follow, oh I do God. see. No, I see it on Facebook. Like yeah, yes, they play, they give, they make all these emotional like yes. you know uh, videos with like people giving speeches and have the dramatic music in the background yeah. with yeah. like birds flying and like yeah. people looking dramatically in the distance. Or whatever. <laughs> yes, but like you watch some of those with like you know like Morgan Freeman or like other mm -hmm. or like um, that guy from Lord of the Rings or like uh, Sir Ian McKellen who's already a great actor already, but yeah. like he really you know blew up like at fifth like fifty years old. Yeah. And it's like, you know, like you, that's the kind of stuff that you mm -hmm. know, similar to that, like keeps me inspired in a way because it's like, I'll, you know, you just keep doing your work, yeah. And then, but and then when it hits, it's gonna be like, 
That and that goes back to like that imposter syndrome thing that I was talking. Like, it, I want. I, I'm more <coughs> interested in having the 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 success, uh-huh. the the accolades, the the not the acknowledgement uh-huh. show up after I've done it and I've mm-hmm. amassed a bunch of work. Like Viola Davis has been acting, yeah, uh-huh. her ass off, yeah, uh-huh. for so long, well before we saw her in doubt. Well before we really knew her in the help. Well before she got uh, on how to get away with murder mm-hmm. and she started to get awards. She had been doing the work. Her her practice, her warm ups, her her life has been around this thing called acting for so long. Mm-hmm. And we are just now being introduced to her life. Mm-hmm. But her life had been set in uh-huh. terms of like what she's been doing as an artist. Uh-huh. She whether she had the big shows or the small shows, she was doing these things. Right. And that warmed my heart more than anything to know one her age and what she had been doing for so long because one she's dedicated to the craft. Uh-huh. And that's whatever the craft is, I'm learning that that is a high value for me in my life to dedicate myself to the craft first. But then two whether it was a big accolade, it's an Emmy, it's a it's a like local production Emmy uh, equivalent or something. She I mean, is even a job on a show is an accolade in a way. Yeah, yeah. right. Exactly. Getting those opportunities, yeah. like before those things happened, she had already dedicated herself to doing what she's doing, mm-hmm. and the the world just caught up to her. And I think it's really admirable, or it's, uh, maybe not admirable. That's not the word I'm looking for. I think it's it's, it's something I want to shift. Like, yeah. Respectable, and yeah. I think I want to shift my focus there. Mm-hmm. I want to shift my focus to dedicating myself to building up this, you know, if I want to codify a technique, put in the work in to codifying that technique, or if I want to, um, whatever I want to build and create, I want to put my energy there and continue to do that whether someone accepts my application and says, you girl, come here and do this, or <laughs> or someone's like, no, I keep getting rejection letters. Because, you know, as, as long as I continue to do that, when it does finally hit, I, I think that is the remedy to my imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. like, hands down. See, but I feel like mine comes from the fact that I've only been here three years. That, oh. You know, and mm-hmm. so it feels, you know, because other people who at least got this alien thing, which I didn't even know was a thing until recently, are like, like one of them taught me uh, like taught a class to me when I was uh, a sophomore. So that's why I feel mm. that way at least because I feel like I haven't, I mean, I've been in work, you know, but I feel like I haven't mm-hmm. put in the levels of work Yeah, just because I haven't been alive that long. Right, yeah. right. But, but, you know? Do you feel like you need to have a certain kind of, um, yeah. what did Crystal Brown call it? Um, Jesus, there's a certain kind of like going through a, a rite of passage, not necessarily that, there's a word for it. Where you go into a community and mm-hmm. you get you get kind of like tested. You get you got to get mm-hmm. like bumped around a little bit before you can like really say like I'm a part of this community. Mm-hmm. What is that thing called? Yeah, like a rite of passage. Paying your dues. Like a Paying your dues. That's Paying it. Dues. Do you yeah, feel like yeah. you haven't paid uh-huh. enough of your dues yet? I feel like I haven't paid because I've, I've been like somebody was telling me like the average dance company life is like seven years, and then people you know do the thing because it's fun and they're with their friends for like seven years, and then after that people start dripping off. You mm. know, and you know, going mm. to other things just because mm. it's a hard life. Yeah, you know, and I've, yeah. I've been in New York with a company for three years. Mm. You know, but mm. I think it's. I mean, I guess for me, there's also, I guess, been a move. I mean, definitely a huge move from like you know being a kid like and watching like waking up in three a.m. to watch like the Academy Awards. You know, oh. <laughs> yeah, being yeah. that girl who's like, what is she wearing? Like having this sort of <laughs> fantasy of like American success. Yeah, and then like moving here 
and you know going to the first school I went to because like some fa- I don't know like Philip Seymour Hoffman went there so nice. I was like I have to go there for a summer yeah. and then finding these pockets that feel so much realer what you're once you're here where it's more about like credibility than it is about like fame mm-hmm. it's really about like like the people now I admire most are also like you said people who've just like really gone so deep in something yes mm-hmm. yes and some yeah. of them have success and some of them don't uh-huh. or like whatever the fuck we call success yeah. right. and I respect it equally because that's <coughs> less up to them mm. what's more up to them is their practice yeah mm-hmm. but I guess Oh, I'm saying a different... I guess, yeah, I guess I had a moment where I got this residency uh, with a collaborator in, in Nyla, this Fresh Tracks mm-hmm. residency. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I you was know, like... just this little thing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but that's the thing. It yeah. isn't, and, but it also is. Yeah. And yeah. that thing... Re- I guess we're talking about it. That yeah. thing really fucked me up, in mm-hmm. a way, and took me a while to recover from, mm-hmm. because they let you feel... What I jokingly said is that it sometimes feels like it's the... Um, um, like American Idol of downtown dance. Yes. They like choose these five people and they make you feel like this is going to make your career. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing that makes there's your career. Makes your you career. finish, yeah. no one emails you or calls you uh, and you're yeah. like, what's happening? <laughs> yeah. And, and, and because they like give a lot of advice around career building and branding and that sort of thing and less about like questions around what your practice is about and going mm. deep into that, you can get in this really confused place mm. where you like sort of prioritize the visibility over what the mm. actual thing that you're making. Mm. Yeah. So so in yeah. some sense yeah. it doesn't matter like it does of course congrats mm. but you got the a- Alvin Ailey thing and maybe the next thing you'll do will be like in a loft with three people coming to watch. Mm-hmm. And in in some ways it really does matter cuz more people get to see your work and in some ways it doesn't cuz just like mm. It's easier said than done, but I, I think we just need to keep doing our work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We got to keep doing our work. It, it's it's so real to also snap, know. Snap. Come on, snap, snap. <laughs> um, when I, s- I mean, Cameron, you talking about the Ailey thing and, and so many people who are like in, who were in like your teaching, like they were your teachers in that position mm-hmm. of your life and being with them, it's like, oh my God, I'm paying my dues. I, I had... The first audition I had outside of school, my freshman year, first semester freshman year, I was auditioning against my professors. <laughs> and I was like, <coughs> I remember thinking, like, I'm just here for fun. Like, I'm really not taking any of this seriously because, like, my professor, yeah, right. So yeah. there were, like, frequent cuts. There, were, I think there was, like, maybe four cuts, and it was only a two-hour audition. So they were making cuts, like, mm-hmm. after you just learned the phrase. Mm-hmm. Um, I made it to the very last round. Like, I made it through, and I think I made it past further than some of my professors did. But to make it through that whole audition, um, really demystified what this thing was of like experience equals um, equals like talent equals like accessibility equals mm-hmm. like basically like time is not the same thing as maturity, mm-hmm. and that's since my mom always told mm-hmm. me that it's like just because someone's thirty five doesn't mean that they're mature. <laughs> you know, there's so many other factors that go into this thing, and they're not correlated. All my, all my exes are just doing. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reeling past, like, oh, yes, yes. Um, and that, that really helped a lot. I mean, it didn't really, like, completely change my life, but it just shifted that. But when hearing you talking about this and in that little story, I'm seeing that there's there's a value on someone's, like, someone's unique self. Mm-hmm. Like, someone's real unique self, their perspective, the uniqueness of the things that they create and the ideas that they bring up that 
I, I feel like our world is starting to shift towards that and wanting to invest in that because mm-hmm. it's 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 one thing to invest in like the tangibility of something mm-hmm. where you know when I, I I used to do the thing when I auditioned for a company I look at all the the members and the past members right. and see where they graduated from right. what, yeah. how old they were when they, mm-hmm. and like make this like mental what do you call it um, Excel spreadsheet. Mm. of like all the things all the factors and see where I might line up yeah. and also including things like how many people of color how many men that look mm. like me how many of them were bald and muscular mm. like, you know yeah, because no, there's yeah. this typecasting thing and, and there's a tangibility on the body that they want people to be able to people often want to replace a dancer with someone who looks and feels similar yes because yeah. they don't have time to adjust things you know? yes so, yes yeah. and and I learned I, I don't want to invest in that I don't want that to be a part of my life I don't want to even waste time on that I'm, I'm more interested and, and what I feel like is happening here with you is that they're invested in the things that you're exploring, the things that you are bringing to the table because of the value on its scarcity. Like, who else has that? Who else is Cameron McKinney at this point and is coming to New York with the, the, your introduction to dance, the university you came from, the, um, the questions you're asking, all of these challenges seem to be the things that are all valuable. And it's almost similar to, like, I, I take most relationships back to like romantic relationships because mm-hmm. like I'm super corny and romantic. Um, mm-hmm. It's almost like dating somebody and you ask them like, "Why do you even like me? Like you just <laughs> you're too good for me. It doesn't make any yeah. sense." And they tell you something silly like because you you like you know how to make popcorn well, <laughs> and you're just like that's is that little. But in, in what they're saying is just like <laughs> all the little things, all the big things, all the things that you think are bad, all the all the like crazy um, super beautiful things that you love about yourself I'm taking all of that in and I'm considering all of that a reason for me to want to have you in my life and I would like those entities that are looking at our applications and looking at um, these artists in front of them to say who are we going to give these opportunities to space and things like that to really try to see as much of them as possible and make decisions based off of that not just what are the accolades that they have already accomplished mm-hmm. to help right. boost this this organization up? Mm-hmm. Because I noticed once I popped a bubble, mm-hmm. once I performed at Justin Research, yeah, or Justin, Sh- everything everything's the, right. Snaps, snaps. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, like one announcement. Uh, yeah, I, I, saw, saw, I saw it. Like, oh, by the way, I'm going to be a visiting fellow here. I was like, what? <laughs> I, just, I just didn't want to bombard this. I'm like, I'm happy to be in this podcast because the next time I'm going to see all Exactly. Nice. <laughs> oh, that, oh, that was crazy. They really came like really off the heels of one another. I was like, oh, cool, this one thing. Oh, cool, two things. And three, I was like, oh my god. Oh and my I, god, I remember telling Orlando Ricardo, there was like, so is there anything else? Why are you done? Like, are there any other things you're going to announce? And I was like, actually, actually, <laughs> there's one more. <laughs> um, That's nice though. We'll change yeah. with the yeah. silence. Yeah. And yes. Yes. <laughs> but I mean, with that, it's what what's not missed on me is that. That some of the some of this, not all of this, and I and I I don't know exactly who was on the panel, and what conversations were there, but I know, I know some of this could be part of like you know, this guy has done some things already, mm-hmm. and we're not taking a chance, and I think that's one of the things that a lot of organizations, and I've been on panels where that has been a fear of like, well, you, you said the work is good, you said you like them. Just because they haven't performed anywhere in New York before doesn't mean that their work isn't good. Like mm-hmm. how does how does performing somewhere in New York make their work any less or better mm-hmm. um, than somebody who's performed extensively in a place like Austin, Texas? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I also think I mean not to do the like corny pep talk, but I I also think that there's weirdly, and I don't know why this is, mm-hmm. but the way you're talking about your work and even sort of the vulnerability of the 
you not being sure about parts of it mm. makes me more curious to see the work <laughs> than if you would come here and be like, you know, I've been born for this my whole life. Uh, I yeah. know oh, I'm great. Yeah. I'm the best. You know <laughs> no. what I mean? Because I think <laughs> that's the other weird thing about New York that is that we're like dying for vulnerability. Yes. We're dying to know that we're like not alone. Yeah. And that yes. everybody yeah. feels these yes. weird shit that we're feeling. Exactly. But we have to pretend we're like doing so well oh, in order to exactly. get shit. It's like the same question when people are just like, so uh, so what are you up to? What are you doing next? And it, you always feel so, so much pressure to be like, um, actually, totally. yeah. um, I'm performing here and I'm teaching here. And I'm actually, yeah. uh, and sometimes it's just nice to be like, I don't really know. Like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And I don't really, sometimes for me at least, like, I don't really, I don't really want to know. Like, I just, totally. I just, I'm here and we're gonna, yeah. we're gonna figure this out. You totally. know what I mean? Yeah. Or just like, I'm sad. You know what yeah. I mean? Oh, yeah. Why aren't you asking me? Right. Yeah. 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 Like, I don't yeah. want to talk yeah. about yes. fucking exactly. war. Exactly. Like, I, yes. have, I have one friend who literally texts me, he's like, how is your heart? And I was Ooh. like, oh, did that hit you? Oh. <laughs> You know, yeah, yeah, but it matters for sure. It does, and I think another thing that you you just like brought on to like, I'm feeling sad. I want to respond to be like, "What are you doing next?" I'm gonna go home and take a depression nap. Totally. That's what I I want. I want to think that shallowly to my future. Sometimes when people ask those questions, like I'm, or I'm gonna, I'm gonna walk out of these doors and make a left, like (laughs) (laughs) because sometimes it does become so much, especially when you do have a lot of things that you have to like go through. Yeah. Um. Oh my goodness, that was great. Um, <laughs> I was, I had, a, I had a thought. Jesus, keep talking until I might edit. Most we need of to the write. Uh, we we have a couple good ones so far. We got team by discipline. Oh, what was yeah. one you just said? A second, you just said one a second ago. I can't remember already. My depression app. No, no. Experience doesn't equal maturity. That's oh so. no, yeah, no, ex- yeah, experience yeah. is not. There's, no. a, there's, there's some nuggets in here. Well, yeah. how's your heart? It how's really your heart? Is it good? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I think we all owe it to our to the, our community. I mean, not just dance, but just in general, to ask somebody yeah. like how their heart is. Yeah. You know, because yeah. I also feel like, especially in the dance community, it gets a lot. Nobody really cares, right? You know, like there's like, how are you? They don't care. You know, you see them I, passing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's. They're like, oh, when's your next show? Oh, maybe I'll try to come. Like, they're not gonna try to come to your show. Yeah, that, yeah, but mm. yeah. you know, unless mm. they whip out their planner. I mean, okay, maybe I shouldn't be saying this because I talk to, I, I spend all day talking to people, but like, yeah. it feels that way sometimes. Yeah. And so when people, when you find those people who are like, how is your heart? And then when is your next show? And then like, all right, I'm, you know, the same person who asked me how is your heart asked me when my next show is and say like, I put this in my calendar. Right. And that, she's, you know, but most people. Not to their credit, because I'm sure yeah. everybody has, you know, busy yeah. lives and, yeah. you know, it's New York. Yeah. But it's, I, I at least, from spending most of my days talking to people in the dance field, whether that be through teaching or choreographing or working at Parsons or any other, any other thing, it's like, I, I at least feel that most of the time people don't really care. We're all just looking for something yeah. to say to each other. Yeah. Because yeah. we all know each other, yeah. Yeah. but don't know each other. Yeah. So we're looking for something to say without mm-hmm. saying, actually, like, I'm really having a shitty day or like yeah. I'm really yeah. like I'm really bummed out about this mm. application that I mm-hmm. didn't finish or this mm-hmm. thing I didn't get or like I auditioned for the company I've always wanted and I got cut the first round you know like, yeah. yeah why so. can't we just be on t- oh that ah so sorry I just <laughs> yeah. ah, it just you yeah. just it just like hit a button cause yeah. like I don't think I've auditioned for anything since February of this mm-hmm. year uh-huh. not on oh it was on purpose <laughs> Um, I I don't have any like disdain for any company or anything like that. It's just more like I don't I don't feel the need to be yeah. in the audition circuit. But I remember um, 
after my last audition, audition for Bill C. Jones um, mm-hmm. in February, and I made it to the last round, which was like really big for me. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's great. I was like fucking excited, yeah. like elated, yeah. because the number one dance company I wanted to dance with at that time. They had been in my university. I always felt like I was measuring myself up to the dancers, and but also in the sense of like I just want to explore and and ask the same little questions that they're asking. Sure. So there's so many things surrounding it that I went to audition like this will be my first of many. So if I make it past one round, pat on my back, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To make it back to the end was just like, oh, I'm ecstatic. I was so happy. But so, but when I spoke to people and I was like, oh, you know, I didn't get picked. They were just like, oh, are you okay? And I was just like, I'm actually really excited. Um, please don't bring me down. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's not like I was trying to hide from right. being excited. It was more like that was my authentic feeling right yeah. now. And I and I am nervous sometimes when I ask people how they're doing mm. is to um, is to put on them what I would feel, mm. especially when it comes to like auditions because some people audition for things where they're not necessarily looking for the job, just want to start a connection. Yeah, they yeah. literally just want to start a network. Yeah, connection. I met I met half my current company on audition. See, you know. yeah, uh, there's yeah. so many reasons for an audition, and I don't want them to say like, "Oh, you know, I got cut from right. this audition." You're like, "Oh my god, are you okay?" Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. It, but that requires me to be vulnerable and to really read the energy that someone's giving. Right. And I, th- I think our lack of vulnerability in our let's just talk about New York right now. In mm-hmm. New York right now, yeah. is like equal parts survival mode and equal yeah. parts like I don't feel like I have time to deal with you right now. So. Right. <laughs> and like I'm afraid that if I really feel my feelings, I won't be able to do all right. the yeah. shit I need to do. I'm, I'm actually, on the flip side of that, I'm curious because you perform in, in a lot of your own work. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. I'm curious because I feel like on the flip side of that is, and again, this okay, maybe I'm speaking a lot about myself today. So we're no, gonna that's, what we, that's what you do. <laughs> the therapy session. Thanks, <laughs> um, no, but I'm, I, I think on the flip side of that is that it's hard, mm, let me speak for myself, so it's hard for me at least to talk about my work in a way that feels like it's describing it to people uh-huh. without feeling braggadocious. Oh, you know, and Ooh. that's that's my tricky thing. So some of the some of the times it's like people ask me that, and I really just don't. I, I can't. I'm really tired today. Yeah. Other times it's like I want to talk about it, but I don't want to be like. And I'm also doing this ten minute solo that's like really grand and, and yeah. really amazing. Yeah. You should definitely come see it because it's the best thing. And sometimes I'm just like, yeah, I. Oftentimes, actually, people afterwards coming up like, "Yeah, we're doing some stuff," and you know, and yeah. how are you? Right. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. And I just like don't even. Yeah. yeah. But I wonder, like, how I mean, because you you obviously have to pitch work that, or uh, yeah. talk about work that you're making for people to come see it, but it's you in it. Right. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, I think in general, it's a similar to like I used to I used to like. I had this two years that now seems silly, but I guess they were important. Where I was like, my work doesn't have to be about something. Yeah, you know, when mm-hmm. you see a lot, I, I feel like dance artists love that. What's what's the story with aboutness? And I'm like, mm. what? Like, girl, like, yeah. why are you so afraid about yeah. about what? And then I sort of my work became more about things, and what I try to do, and I do it not successfully, but like, is to. Um, Use the language to describe my work, mm-hmm. less to talk about what my work is and more to further a conversation that I want to talk about. Yes. Mm-hmm. So more be like, my, my work now, right, the solo I'm working now and showing it back so as mm-hmm. part of my residency, it came from the question of like, I had to leave where I'm from in order to uh, manifest my, like, trans femininity and creativity mm-hmm. to find out that those same systems that oppress, oppressed me, like Zionism, mm-hmm. patriarchy, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera, 
gave me my biggest privilege, which is the privilege to leave. Because yeah. where I come from, the indigenous people, Palestinians, literally the biggest privilege they don't have is like their access to mobility, to mm. leave or to return. Mm-hmm. And by saying that, I hope in some ways I'm I'm evoking that image in your mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And evoking and, and like wanting you to get involved in that. And then it becomes less about like less about the performance, but more about the question. I guess. I guess. I well, guess. Yeah, I mean this But uh, that might be also a way for me to like avoid talking about the performance because I'm like always like I have this <coughs> one really, really smart friend mm-hmm. and I'm yeah, I, I definitely still have the thing where I'm like afraid I have these like fears around like I'll say I'll say what it's about and people will think it's stupid or I'm stupid mm. and it doesn't make sense cuz I don't I don't think I'm stupid no. right but still like that's a fear right yeah I feel I mean I feel that too but it's less so that I'm stupid and more so that I'm not qualified to speak on it you know what I mean cuz I yeah let's talk about it. yeah because because, because I cuz Another part, you know, other things I do, like I've, I've studied the Japanese language and culture for almost 13 years now. So my work in, is about the Japanese language and culture in some way, like every work I make for the company. Mm-hmm. So I feel that because I want to talk to people about it. Mm-hmm. But I, but I, you know, I, I often have that fear that's like, am I qualified? Yes. Because, you know, if a bunch of like Japanese people come, like obviously I can talk about it, you know, yeah. I've only been doing this for 13 years. But, but at the same time, you feel that feel that's like, but I'm not like a PhD in like Japanese history. Yeah. Or like, I'm not Japanese. I get that question a lot. Like I'm not Japanese in any way. Right. I, just, <laughs> I just love the language and culture, and I yeah. want to talk about it. Yeah. So. Whoa. That was no. I was. I just. Huh. I create work about the things that I live, and I still feel like I don't have enough agency <laughs> or knowledge to talk about it. Yes. <laughs> My work is like yeah. it starts at the autobiographical, and it goes, <laughs> and I and we look at that to to speak about the larger context. Uh-huh. But I think. Out of insecurity, I, I started to do that because I was like, listen, I want to talk about, like, the death and the killings of, you know, black youth by the hands of, like, the police and state-sanctioned state violence. But I was just like, um, I haven't written any books or any think pieces or, <laughs> like, I haven't even wrote a good Facebook status on it yet, so I don't know if I'm the one <laughs> to talk about it. But then when I was like, you know, maybe if I talk about me first, yeah. and then we can just like, you know. But it, it it became like a really important tool. But even still, um, there's something about feeling the need to be like a credible source yeah. when creating yeah. work that is quote unquote about something. Yeah, yeah, that, yes. yeah. yeah, that that is like it's a double edged sword because I think right now. Our, our social consciousness is asking for art pieces to be about something and to yeah. be about the mm-hmm. thing that's happening now. They want it. They want the work to be present. Yeah. Um, and it's almost like you get attacked if it's not. It's like so you're just gonna be Taylor Swift out here putting on this yeah. music video and because you have black gays. It gets, gays read, it gets yeah. read in in and it gets read as being a part of this current political you know, yeah. social uh-huh. political climate, yes. right? So then when it's not about that, people are like, but you didn't see that when you put this person yes. here that that was re- yeah. like, relating to this thing here. It's yeah. Like, I, I just made it about, you know, yeah. this. Yeah. But, but now it's about, you know. Ask, asking our audience to, like, suspend disbelief about, like, the the the, the physical 
experiences that a dancer can have on stage. Like you have a black woman and you have like an Indian man and you have somebody who if you hear their accent come through, then you're like, okay, I can tell this person is Latino or Latino. Um, and you're, you're asking them to relate on stage. The bodies are relating to each other. And you and then you're like, you don't see how you have a white man walking on the backs of all the color people in mm-hmm. the piece? And you just want it yeah. to be about like... Um, Shapes. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. yeah, you can do that, but you just you're opening yourself up to yeah. what what the rest of the world is looking at art through. Yeah. But I think at the, but on the other side is like when you're creating something that's about something, you you dive into a well that is continually telling you you don't know enough. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And the more I want to create work about like blackness, I keep reading books of like what I thought I knew wasn't true anymore. <laughs> but not or or it's just like what Erica Badu says and I keep I feel like every day this week I've said this. The man who knows something else he knows nothing at all. And like in that in that humbling yeah. of myself, I I I think I give myself more permission to dive deeper into those knowledges. And um then when someone's like, hey Jay, you didn't you gotta effed up here. I have to be like, you know what, you're right, and I should go read a book about that. <laughs> it kind of, it, it becomes less personal when you yeah. do like, mm-hmm. quote unquote, fail or mess up or slip up, and you can just take ownership. Be like, look, I thought I knew what I what I knew. You're telling me that I didn't. Thank you for telling me this. Let me go ahead and give you a real sincere apology, and let me go do the work. Right. It becomes so much easier to do that when you know that you don't know something. Mm. Last yeah. thing, last thing, because it's just, I just, it's yeah. been a thing on my head. Um. There's, you know about TED Talks? Y'all know about yeah, TED yeah, Talks. Okay, so um, TED has just expanded. I feel like it should be Google now um, because it's so it's so great. Mm. Um, they have TED ads on Facebook, mm. like videos that just educate you about like some random thing and it's all animated and stuff. And one of my favorite TED ads recently was um, one that said it was about people who um, over and underestimate their, their skill levels in anything. And when they did the study, they learned that people who are less skilled in any particular area of life are more likely to be like, I'm great at it. I can do this so well. I'm the best. Like, I can just kill everybody in this thing. Um, And then people who are really, really skilled in an area who are, like, near, like, 5% of people who do this thing tend to assume that other people are also really skilled and competent (coughs) in the same area or in any area of life because when you amass a certain knowledge or something, especially it was like deep and nuanced and granular and you've, you've done for years and it's like, it's the core of your existence, like knowing this thing. Um, you kind of assume that everyone on the planet has that kind of passion for mm-hmm. something. And then when you, when you interact with these people who don't and you're kind of just, you, you become disappointed because you held them up to a standard mm-hmm. that you assume everyone else is at because you don't, you don't think that you're right. You're different. You mm-hmm. think you're just, I'm just a regular dude who picked up a book, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, and in and in that, I I'm trying to find the connection to why I brought this up now because I just got I just got a flashback to a boss of mine that just really frustrates me. <laughs> um, because I ex- I thought she was competent and she's not. Um, it's okay. I probably will be working there by the time this thing airs. Um, <laughs> Jesus, what was my thing? Anyways, that was that story was supposed to mean something. <laughs> Sounds all. I mean, I think what you're saying sounds connected to this idea that we were talking about before. We were when we were talking about like auditions and mm-hmm. skill in terms of dance, and then skill in terms of like knowledge about a sociopolitical context. Yes. Yeah. Bringing it. Bring it, it all, back. Yeah. It, it all. It all seems like 
it all seems like I'm always like, who invented? I mean, we know. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like always you're like, who invented? And then you're like, European settlers. But like, who invented these hierarchies that made us feel that we're, there's like constantly this thing that is like the real expert in this, and uh, then yeah. sort of everyone else is failing. Oh uh, yeah. Ooh. And it's like that. Did you see that? Uh, the dance review at the New York Times that was just now like horrible review. It, it comes yeah, it's New York Times. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Thank you. Totally. Um, wait, who? What it was? It compared like the works of Jillian Walsh okay. and, and a person who's doing. I can't remember the other choreographer's name. She's doing something. It has unicorn in the title. Marjani um, Forte. Yeah, I think so. Google's right we here. Keep Google talking. It. I'm ninety nine percent sure it's Marjani Forte because. Um, at Nyla. Yeah, now I'm embarrassed. At Nyla. I should know this, but I don't. <laughs> um, anyway, it was like this horrible dance review. Yeah, Memoirs like of a Unicorn. Decided to compare these two pieces of art mm. because they were both like by women. Huh. To do what? the whole review on comparison, even though they like were not in conversation with one another. Right. There was no reason to put them, pivot them against one another. Wow. It was like super, it was like misogynistic and like and, like, racist, and it ended up calling one work, like, it made this comparison the whole time, and the whole time you're like, why is this person comparing? Right. And then in the end, he's like, well, but one work was, like, real work, literally. Wow. And the other work wasn't real work. And you're like, why are you the person to ever decide what's real and what's right. not, and right. why are you comparing... And what work have you... What, what are you, do you... Who are you? Who are you? <laughs> It was, like, so awful, and it was just, like, this moment where I was, like, right, there's these, like, old guards, (coughs) old irrelevant guards that keep trying to hold on to power by saying who's smart and who's not, who's good and who's not, and it's, like, I don't know, because it it feels so, I mean, I, I feel this, too, but it feels so strongly like we need that as a society. I mean, not, not like we need that, like, that has to be there, but, like, we, like, and it's like ingrained in our systems that we that we we feel like we need to know what is good, so mm. that then uh, people need to know what is good, so that they know that it's not a financial financial risk, yes, you yeah. know, which yeah. all art is in a similar. Yeah, but yeah. like you know, but I'm talking about like grants or like presenters, like yeah, and, yeah. yeah. You know, that's yeah. why it's so hard for people for whatever emerging people, mm-hmm. whatever that means, um, to to start up because at least in my it seems to me like. We could we could bring you out for a week, yeah. but we also don't know you. So then yeah. bringing you out is a financial risk because right. we don't know if your we don't know your if your work is good, yeah. right? Yeah. But it, it it feels so strongly that like we have to have this understanding of like of this is what makes good work and mm-hmm. this is what makes bad work. And if we do these things, then our work can be seen as good. So I don't I don't, yeah. I don't know, but yeah. it, it it feels that way. No, it does. And, no, it does. And it's like and it drives me crazy because it's like all the time you're thinking about. If your work is good or bad versus right. is your work, you know, answering a question? Is it proposing a question? Is it making people feel? Is it, you know, whatever your own personal goals might, yeah. might be? I mean, we, we, taking out the values of, like, good and bad, we can talk about, like, what has, what has huge, <coughs> talk about impact levels. Uh-huh. Talk about, like, a meteor coming in and hitting the ground and then the scientists who study those things measuring out the thing and measuring the actual impact. Right. Like the impact was this many gigahertz of force. Right. Boom. I think artists, when we see, when we are working artists and we see other working artists do their things, we can talk about impact. 
And we just have an impact in certain areas. We can say it was impactful here with this exploration of technique. It's impactful here in bringing up conversations about race, gender, class, um, identities, sexuality. And, and when we talk about impact, I think we measure how how closely to the source of this conversation is the work hitting at uh-huh. and also how hard is it hitting at it. Uh-huh. So we have this value system that is really based off experience in we, terms of we creating. As artists, we as creating artists, yeah. That critics come in and uh, and sometimes people who choose who's going to be artists in residence and people who work in the behind the scenes of dance um, have a different value system. So it's like I think the confusion a lot of times come in where we're just sitting there going you know, I, I believe my work has a certain impact and has a certain relevancy. It has a certain, like, necessity also mm-hmm. that you don't want to take a risk on and or we feel like this, uh, this entity doesn't want to take a risk on and we're, and we're asking ourselves, then what are, you, what are you grading our work based off of? I think they're grading it on that impact, but that, but that impact is going to be <clears throat> arguably larger for people with larger audiences. Yeah. You know, so they're still... So I feel like in some cases they're still grading on that impact, but they're saying... This per- okay, if these two artists are asking the same question <clears throat> or a similar question, and one artist has a really hard-hitting impact on this 50-person theater, and this other person has maybe not as hard of an impact, but tours around the world. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. They, they weigh those impacts, and they're like, well, this person seems to have a larger impact, or is it, or has it had the experience of impacting a large amount of people, mm-hmm. and therefore would be arguably less of a financial risk yeah. to bring. They want to, I think they're Maybe. trying to, they want to, yeah. well, no, it's, it's, it's part of it. I don't think every entity is like that. I think there are some places who really value giving the opportunity for people to show things, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. Um, and I think, I like, I, what I really liked seeing um, is like my, the Monday Night Suggestion Church. Because the mm-hmm. work is just there. It's, it's there. there yeah. It just happens. Here's uh-huh. the opportunity. Make it happen. And, I mean, we can all leave and be like, oh, that was really, ooh, that made me feel a kind of way. You know what I mean? You can feel that way. But what I, but what's, what's the baseline is like, there needs to be at least one place where you can go and kind of like, be like, ooh, I've created some things that weren't like that. Yeah. And I think that's, that, that accessibility, that opportunity is honestly what most of us are asking for initially. Because, right. you know. Yeah, we just want a chance. We want the chance. Yeah. I want the chance to fail. Like, yeah, I don't yeah. necessarily... Yeah. yeah, the years of failure are really important. Yeah. We, there are some... You, I think there's a Confucius saying that says there's a thousand lessons in failure and only one in winning. Uh-huh. Or I just saw that on Jackie Chan. <laughs> I gotta stop. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Confucius or Jackie Chan? Confucius. Confu- Tune in next time. <laughs> when we will com- I, I'm have to go back and check that one because I'm gonna feel really bad um, if I just confuse Confucius, hey, um, with a cartoon. Yeah. Um, we have. I want to also do this one thing to wrap up podcast. Let me speak directly into the mic. I want to do this one thing. Okay. Wrapping up podcast, and then we kind of already two things. Um, <laughs> start over. Um, <laughs> so awkward. Um, there are two things I want to do when wrapping up the podcast. Um, and the first thing is, I want to definitely ask um, what you're doing next. <laughs> because, <laughs> Taking off these headphones. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, right. I mean, so, but that conversation also just helped me loosen up the reins of what can be included. You can literally say, I'm just going to walk out and leave. Um, <laughs> that could be included, or you can do the whole, like, just like, dates and yeah. times and places. You can do that as well. When is this coming out? This will be coming out in January. Oh, cute. So I don't. I can't plug the thing that's happening before it comes out. Yeah, because you plug the thing. 
you know the one in December, December 1st? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, December 1st, they're like, they're like that's happened last year. I mean, uh, what you can say then is that like, I did the thing. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. I mean, you still have the space grant, right? Is it? Is, no, is it? so yeah. So I'm in a space grant at Brooklyn Art Exchange yeah. and showing sort of 20 minutes of work uh, December 1st and 2nd, but really, really hoping and working towards that being sort of someone picking that up and that being mm-hmm. my first like full-length piece because mm. it feels like I have a bunch of material. Right. Um, so if things go according to plan, maybe by the time this is out, I'll, I'll have an, a thing to plug. And, that, and I'm doing some writing. I have an yeah. essay coming out, which is exciting. And that's Let's go ahead and claim that universe come on make it happen come on please <laughs> i never wanted something so bad in my life yeah, which yeah. Is, you know yeah i try to be cool but you want to keep it cool on the outside yeah, yeah. Yeah. Keep, keep but yeah cool. you know whatever happens <laughs> <laughs> i love it yeah um i have a thought for you after in terms of someone picking it up uh-huh. someone you might want to invite um uh, hey so um Wow, okay, so uh, as I mentioned before, I have a company in the city called Kizuna Dance, uh, K-I-Z-U-N-A, for those who don't speak Japanese, uh, and we are premiering a new work on January 18th and 21st at Triskelion Arts as part of the split bill, mm-hmm. um, and then we're taking that new work, which will be about 40 minutes, along with some other repertory works uh, from 2015, 2016. And we're taking those um, abroad to the UK for a European debut yeah. uh, for a couple of, for two uh, hour and a half long shows uh, mm-hmm. in Leicester, which will be just us. And that'll be great. Ooh, um, yeah. And then we're coming back from the UK. And that's February 28th of 2018. And then we're coming back from the UK. Um, I'm teaching workshops there also. And then we're coming back from the UK to California in the beginning of March. Um, and we'll be at the... Monterey Institute for International Studies for that first week, and then we'll be in Berkeley for a while, and San Francisco, and then down to Ohio, outside of Los Angeles. So mm-hmm. if y'all are, y'all, if the podcast listeners, oh listeners, <laughs> if you guys are uh, in the UK or California area in February, March, we'll be out there. Yeah. Yes. Oh, um, along with that, how can how can people find you if you want them to find you? Oh, I guess. They can find me on... I'm thinking like social media and stuff Social like media. Okay. Yeah. Our website. Ita Segev is my name. So that's I-T-A, last name S-E-G-E-V. And it's Ita Q-T at Instagram. Nice, nice. Nice. Um, again, the camp, the company is called Kizuna Dance, K-I-Z-U-N-A. We're online actually at www.cameronmckinneydance.com. But uh, we're on Facebook and Instagram at Kizuna Dance. Yes. All right. Um, I... I'm trying to figure out if I should do this because I'm gonna do be here you, every uh, week, so I'm just it's like podcast. it's my podcast. Yeah, but tonight. I want to know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what am I doing? Um, January. By that time, I will be um, deep in rehearsals. Um, yeah, um, I have the Moving Research Family Year Fellowship for 2018. Um, I also am part of the fellowship for Dancing While Black for 27 2018, as well as. Um, being a Gibney 4.0 workup artist, which is somewhat like a residency yeah. um, and fellowship. Mm-hmm. And then um, Bax also has a startup, nope, Bax has the workup festival that I'm also performing work in. All of these things are going to be happening between the months of like January and March, really. 
Or, or actually, sorry, January and April. So is it like the same work? Oh, there's four different works. Whoa. Two of which have already been created. I'm just like re-upping. Break that repertoire. Yes. Because uh, yes. you know, one of them, they... the one you did Because then you can just Shave. send it out. That's what you do. Yeah. Is one of them the duet with Wendy? Yes, one of them. Uh, the uh, Gibney I'm doing, um, The Space Between Words, where uh-huh. I did at the um, Artist in Residence for Shea Bushwick okay. CPR. That will be its second performance officially. Um, so yeah, I'll be performing that one again. Right. And um, the first piece I did in New York, which was Holding On To Innocence at Jetson Church, I'll be performing that for uh, Dancing While Black. Um, yeah, so the thing that's coming up next, I think I'll, I I should be performing as part of um, Jetson Church's Monday nights, um, probably in May. I think that would be the goal, but also have dates for um, March 16th at Bax Upstart Festival and Give Me Dances March 9th and 8th. So um, come out to those. I don't know the dates for the rest of them, but I'll be here again, so I'll give those dates. Uh, yeah, that. It's really weird to talk about myself. I really want... I know, this, this is what I'm saying. It's really hard to, like... No, you, it's hard to find that balance, you know? Yeah, because yeah. I really want to be like, I'm going to go home and take a depression nap, um, <laughs> which is not true at all. Um, okay, the last thing. I really would like for us to just say, like... One to five things, and I just say one to five just as a stupid barometer of things, but um, minimum one thing you want to say for yourself that is applicable for other people that you want them to remind themselves to do or to, like, keep up. Like, for ex- for example, I'm like, remember to back up your laptop. Just well, uh-huh. Remember to call your mom. Remember to touch your toes. There's a few times throughout the day. Just use a forward bend stretch. It's really good for you. Um, remember to drink at least three liters of water a day. That's specifically for me, but anybody else who wants to join that challenge. That's good. It's a lot of peeing. There aren't many public restrooms in New York, so do that. <laughs> you know, proceed so with caution. Yeah, please, plan accordingly. Um, and last, yeah. <laughs> um, I think the last one I um, need to also do is remember to call your mom. Yeah. Yeah. I talked to her today, and I somehow still felt guilty when you said that. (laughs) Thanks, Mom. Jewish mother issues. (laughs) Um, Things to remember to do. Call call a really good friend, Mm. and like be be like pathetic with them for a moment. Um, Have one day a week if you can, where you like have a completely different relationship to like time and productivity and mm-hmm. like sort of performing yourself in the world. Yeah. Um, and like eat good food. Yeah. Be brave. Say the shit you want to say, even if it's a, you're afraid other people won't like to hear it. Yes. 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 Yeah. That's real. Yeah. The last one. For real. Yeah, I, I definitely would piggyback off of that and say, you know, call someone and ask them how their heart is. Um, <clears throat> for other artists, as a general reminder, I would say get good video of your work. Ooh. Mm. <laughs> Look, he's already Ooh. Yeah, That's get a some, whole other get podcast. Some good, <laughs> get some good, yeah, get some good video of your work if you're looking for a gen- general artist tip. Um... I would say, yeah, I, I would say two things uh, besides that. First is ask for the things that you want mm. because mm. most people don't. Mm. And say thank you to people who have helped you 
even if they haven't helped you recently. Oh. Because some of those people will just come from left field nowhere later on and just, you know, save your whole life. Yeah. It's happened to me like three times this year. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, that's the opposite of Janice. What have you done for me lately? <laughs> <laughs> just thank me for the things I did three years ago. <laughs> right. Um, it makes I, less of a like, compelling <laughs> cop album, but... <laughs> right. <laughs> thank you for the things you did for me three months ago. Like, it's not a good song title, but it's, it's still a really life lesson. When you touch my face Oh, in a private place If you have any questions you would like answered on the show, interested in being on the show, or have any interesting topics you would like us to discuss, please email us at thedanceunionpodcast at gmail.com so we can manifest those things. You can find The Dance Union Podcast and learn about the artists who come to sit down and speak with me on Facebook and Instagram. You can listen to us on SoundCloud and on the podcast app if you have an iPhone. You can email us at thedanceunionpodcast at gmail.com. And most important, don't forget to tell a friend, Tell an auntie and tell your therapist to give us a listen. <laughs>